welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those to John chapter 20. We'll be in John chapter 20, starting uh, in verse number 1, John chapter 20. And so, uh, what we celebrate today uh, is that Jesus uh, died and was raised on the third day. And this is John, the gospel writer John, uh, his account of the testimonies that happened uh, on the third day, on the Sabbath day when Jesus came out of the tomb. So let's go ahead and start in verse number one. It says this. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they had put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in and at the strips of linen, <coughs> in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and everyone listened. He said he saw and believed. Yet they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Uh, let's pray together, church. Uh, Lord, we love you. God, as we open up your word, uh, God, we believe that your word is powerful. Uh, God, I, I pray over each and every heart in here. God, I know we've come in with uh, some maybe good weeks, good circumstances, some with maybe difficult circumstances. And God, for most of us, probably a lot of uh, busyness going on today as we uh, get ready for Easter and all that. God, I pray that right now that you would open up our eyes, you would open up our minds uh, to hear from you today. And God, I've had the same prayer all week, all week. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear so that we may believe and have life. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And so as I thought about this passage, it made me think about really the last two years or so, uh, really the, the craziness of it, okay? So think back about this time 2020 of all we've experienced. Sometimes it's hard to believe that's been uh, two years. But the World Health Organization says there has been tw a 20% increase in the prevalence of anxiety and depression since the COVID outbreak. Some of the, the key factors is this idea of loneliness, uh, fear, uh, suffering and death, fear for oneself and others, grief of bereavement, uh, some of the, the other things are financial worries or cited as stressors of this ongoing growth of, of a lack of peace, right? A, a really an anxiety and a depression that's really uh, sweeping the country. I think about healthcare workers and the, the difficulty that, that they've experienced, many expressing exhaustion from just simply the grind of all that we've experienced. And I think about all those that have felt it the same way. Studies show that women and young people uh, have been hit the hardest, right? That really a lot of um, society has changed uh, over the course of two years and that uh, we may very well be in the time uh, in our country where there's been the least amount of peace. You, you think about it, uh, there's 8.5% 8, 8 increase in inflation this year. 
We're in the most unstable uh, economy this economic time that, that maybe ever in the last uh, 100 years or so. Russia and Ukraine are at war. Gas prices are up. We may be the most anxious and high-strung, um, unpeaceful society ever. Would you guys agree with me? All right, I'm going to make you believe it. If not, the other day, uh, to de-stress from the day, uh, my family and I, uh, we got on the golf cart, and we were going to take a little ride uh, in our neighborhood, right? And it's kind of a quiet neighborhood. Um, I, I don't know where we stand on legality. I know we have some law enforcement here. I think I was good. We're on the side of the road. Um, but, but this sports car came up behind us, and I was thinking, well, this will, you know, he'll think, oh, look at this sweet family on the road. Um, I'm sure he'll ease up behind us and wave. And I kid you not, this guy hit the gas and just mean mugged us and just flew by like we had just ruined his, his day, right? Like we had just, um, um, you know, done something to his cornflakes in the morning kind of thing. You go what I'm saying? And, uh, and I just kept waiting for my kids to ask, like, like Daddy, why is he pointing the finger at us? And, uh, and I said, Bear, he just thinks you're number one, son. Uh, but man, I, I was ready for it because my man was mad. But isn't that a picture of us? That we're not uh, peaceful people. In fact, I would say this. Uh, in the world, the world right now is a very chaotic place. It's been chaos for a while. And so I think we could say it's not peaceful. There's, there's not a lot of life. Turn on the news and it is the opposite of life giving. It takes life. It's in chaos. So I want to ask everyone a question because no matter where you come in, where you feel like you are with Jesus or whatever, what centers the room here is that all of us have to live in this chaotic world. Every one of us. And so I want to ask you a series of questions. Number one, where do you go for your hope in this world? Where do you go for peace in this world? And lastly, where do you go for purpose, purpose in the midst of this chaotic world? Because what I want to show you today is that the resurrection offers us peace, purpose, and life. Do that again. Uh, what we're going to see in the testimonies of the resurrection is peace, purpose, and life. And so as we get ready to dive in and we're going to finish out a lot of this chapter, um, what the significance of the day represents, all right, uh, is that Jesus Christ um, is claimed to be God. He was a man that was sent from heaven to earth. And we've been in the middle of a series where we've been talking about how the Bible has been pointing to a man, a rescuer, a savior from heaven that would come and that would be a perfect sacrifice so that we could know God. We could be in relationship with God and have life. Well, um, last weekend we talked about the cross and that was the rescue mission that Jesus Christ would die in the place of people that deserved it, even though he was a righteous man, and that through faith in him, we could be saved. And we, we call that Good Friday. But I want you to know something. The only way Friday is good if the resurrection happened on Sunday. And that's why we're here. That's what we're celebrating is that Jesus didn't stay dead in the tomb, but he raised. And so if I could kind of give um, a, a little bit of context of who we're talking about uh, in these uh, in this, in this chapter, uh, first of all, is a woman named Mary, Mary Magdalene. Now, Mary would have understood great suffering and great grief, right? In fact, uh, the Bible says she was demon-possessed. She had tons of issues. She had tons of problems. But Jesus came, and he touched and healed her, right? And so after she was healed, uh, she began to follow Jesus. She aided him in his ministry in Galilee, and, uh, and she was a faithful follower of Jesus, Obviously, she still loved him. She was there uh, to go to the tomb. They wanted to anoint his body. 
But then we also see the disciples. And the two disciples here is Simon Peter. And where it says the other disciple, that's actually John the writer. John's kind of a weird dude. John will write about himself in the third person, right? I promise he's not a jerk, right? You ever talk, anybody talk in the third person? You know what I mean? But, uh, but he writes in the third person. So it's Peter and John, and it says he went back to the other disciples. At this point, there would be 11 of them. And these were the men that followed Jesus everywhere. They did life with him. They, were, they served with him. They ministered with him for three years, okay? And unfortunately, at Jesus' last moments, his last hours, they all bailed on him. They all rolled out. Even though they were faithful for three years, when it got tough, they just kind of left Jesus uh, to, to go and suffer, right? And then lastly, I want you to know something about this tomb. Tombs were a place for dead people. A lot of times, the, the rock at the tomb would weigh somewhere between one and three uh, tons. And here's the deal. When they got there, they were surprised because the tomb was empty. The stone had been rolled away. The linens, the grave clothes that Jesus had, it wasn't like someone that had snatched his body and stolen it. They were neatly folded and sitting uh, at his head and his feet, just like uh, he had been there. You want to know why? Because our Jesus wasn't caught off guard. It was the very purpose he came to die in our place, but that he would raise, right? You could just see him folding those linens and putting them right back where they were. And so when they looked in that tomb, of course there was no Jesus. Because you see, tombs are for dead people, and a tomb is no place for our Jesus, right? Our Jesus is alive. He's here today. He's in our presence. He's alive. And so we see that John, really, really important here. This is going to be a lot of what we're going to see. In, in John 28, verse 8, it says, Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside, and, and see it with me. He saw and believed. This was when he first started to get it. He started to believe that the resurrected Jesus was who he said he was. But I want you to know something. John previously believed in the identity of Jesus, but now John was beginning to believe in the resurrection. And as C.S. Lewis says, check this out, in our faith, everything hinges on the resurrection. You want me to tell you what separates Christianity from everyone else? Every major world religion has a leader who is six feet under or better. Every single one. Everyone had a leader who came, who died, who did not come back to life. But our Savior came from heaven, uh, took on the form as a man. He went down for three days, and now he is alive. This is the exclamation point that what you feel, see, and hear today is not just some religious service. It's a living Savior. And so let's pick up in verse 11. I want to tell Mary's story. This is uh, the testimony of Mary. It says in verse 11, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated, there, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She said, And, and feel the weight of this, okay? This person who has healed her. And, and she says, um, says, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there. But, he did not, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Same thing the angel said. Why are you crying? Why are you crying? It says, who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to Mary, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned around, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, 
Rabani, which means teacher. And so we see Mary uh, seeing Jesus, seeing the resurrected Jesus. But I want to bring it in and maybe uh, let's sit in Mary's shoes as obviously she's grieved, she's worried, she can't find Christ, and, and she's heartbroken. She's, she's grieved. I want to ask you something. Have you ever felt let down by the circumstances of life? And as we're talking about a lady here, I really want to speak to ladies. Uh, have you ever woke up and realized, uh, man, I, I, I thought it would be different by now. I thought my circumstances would be different. You know, maybe it's romantic like, but I thought it would look different by now. And what I thought would be a lot of joy has been a lot of heartbreak. It's been a lot of pain, right? Maybe for some, you come home to a house that you thought, man, it would look better. And I hadn't figured it out yet, but there's, there's just something about Hobby Lobby and a good set of cabinets and a good little something to step into, right? It just seems to change the whole mood. Like, man, I, I would have done this for years. If I have a nice wreath at home, like Carly's really happy. I got I to gotta figure that part out. But on a serious note, man, do you ever feel that your circumstances have let you down? Maybe it's your career. You just thought it would look different. And that you may show, it, look, it looks good on the outside, but inside there's a lot of grief and a lot of sadness when no one's looking. Maybe for some it's your, it's your marriage, that you just thought it would be different, that the, the dreams would look different, and there's grief over the circumstances that life has let you down. And maybe for some you're caught in what I call the comparison trap. You look at your family and you may get on social media and think, man, everyone looks happier than us. Listen, you're getting the highlight reel, first of all, Right? But man, I, I, I just, we, we, we should have more. I should be farther. And we're grieved over life's circumstances. And I want you to know, Mary would have felt this way. The one she had, she had put hope in, she couldn't find. And man, she was let down. She was broken. She was grieving. But I want you to know something. This Jesus comes to us and he does not give as the world does. See, Jesus comes to offer us peace, purpose, and life. He comes to offer us peace, purpose, and life. Listen, um, I want you to see this. He came to offer Mary peace. And see, she said that in verse 14, at this she turned and she, around and she saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Now, one reason may be that Jesus had not decided to reveal himself yet. We've seen him do this before. But for another reason, Mary was so grieved over, circumstance, over her circumstances, she couldn't see the Jesus right beside her. You ever had a good ugly cry? You can't, you can't see nothing, right? She may have been so grieved over life's circumstances, she didn't realize that Jesus wasn't lost. Listen, I want you to know something. Mary might have been crying, looking for Jesus, and she couldn't find him. Your life may be grief, and, and I feel like I can't find him. But because Jesus came out of the grave, listen to me, he's done what it takes to find you. And he's not far away. Right? In fact, he, he was right beside her and she didn't even know it. That She felt like, man, no one sees me in this pain. Maybe you feel that way. Listen, Mary was let down, but all she had to turn around, all she had to do was turn around and Jesus was there. And see, that's the good part about the resurrected Jesus is he doesn't stay in one place, but man, he came to meet with us wherever we are. That's just good news. And so maybe today you feel heartbroken. Maybe your mind's confused about where life is and, and all the craziness of the last two years. And, and maybe your heart has been broken, but I want you to know something. Even though Mary's heart was broken, Jesus didn't rebuke her. He gently revealed himself to her. Listen, this is what it looks like. He called her by name. Look at me in verse number 16. It says, Jesus spoke. He said to her, Mary. Mary, he called her by name. 
What this is, is an invitation to life and peace. This is what's awesome. The thing about Jesus' voice, Jesus can speak peace into trouble. Jesus can speak peace with purpose. Uh, read with me John 10, 27, as, as uh, the gospel writers already talked about it. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. She knew that voice. And there's the deal, man. He says, I know them and they follow me. Jesus knows you. He knows your circumstance in your life. And listen, he knew it before you got here and he went to the cross anyway. Why would he do that? Because he wants to meet you where you are. Not, the only thing that drove him to that cross was his love for you. And I want to tell you what the enemy wants to take from you of all the things. One of the chief things on his priority list is he wants to take peace from you. When Jesus came to set captives free. Right, that's just true, man. That's what Jesus does. We see that he offers life. Maybe you felt like you've dug a hole because, see, Mary was at least looking for Jesus. You're like, but man, I'll be honest with you. I ain't been looking for Jesus. <laughs> it's Easter, man. I got me a new dress. I'm going to come try this thing out. Y'all are in a theater, so we'll, we'll try it out. Seems cool, right? We'll come give it a shot. So maybe you felt like, man, I've just made some mistakes. I haven't been looking for Jesus, right? Well, here's the deal. Jesus came out of the cross. He came up on the cross and he came out of the tomb to find you, even if you weren't looking. Because he loves you. That's what he did. Romans 10, 17 says this. Talking about Jesus and giving life. He came to give us life. I'm going to talk more about this life. But it says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. Mary heard his voice and that's when it changed. Faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Right? She wasn't rolling on evidential belief. No, she heard the voice of Jesus. And though you think, well, man, Jesus isn't here today. Oh, Jesus is here, and Jesus is still speaking. But instead of the audible voice, it's the voice of his word. It says that faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I want you to know that we find in Jesus, we find peace. Mary found peace. Mary found life. And lastly, we're going to see that Mary finds purpose. Read with me in verse 17. Check out how, how much she is fired up that she found Jesus. It says, Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Think about it. I, I can only imagine, and, and, and all the Marys in the Bible, they're a threat to be at the feet of Jesus. I'm talking about all of them, right? Like, man, they, they loved them. And could you imagine, I think about my kids when I get ready to go to work. Man, they'll just, they'll just bear grab your legs sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? And she's like, Jesus, I found you and I don't want you to go. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't worry. I haven't ascended yet, but I'm going to ascend. And she don't know it yet, but I'm going to be with you always. But I have something for you to do, Mary. I have a purpose for you. And what he says is, go. He ascended to the Father. He said, Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to the Father and, for your, and, and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went. So Jesus commissioned her to go, and Mary obeyed and went. It says she went to the disciples with the news. And this is what she said. Highlight this. I have seen the Lord. I have seen the resurrected Jesus. She obeyed and went, and she told them that he had said these things to her. Isn't it amazing that the first carrier of the gospel of the good news of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, came from the lips of a woman? That's amazing, man. That's awesome. You see, in this time, 
According to Jewish law, the testimony of woman would have been thrown out in court. Well, you say, well, why would Jesus select a woman? Well, here's the deal. Jesus is bringing the news of a gospel that is far greater than any law. It's good news, man. And ladies, if this is my rally cry, I want you to know that Jesus, when he calls us by name, he comes that we come to the feet of Jesus to receive his love, to receive his peace, but we also embrace his purposes and we go and tell others about him. We have a, you have a place in this, right? It's a commissioning. And so listen, I want you to know something. Our purpose is that we may know God and we may make him known. These are the purposes that God saves us and gives us his love for, that we may know him and make him known. So ladies, I want to encourage you with that and see in Mary that Jesus found her in her grief. He gave her life, he gave her peace, and he gave her purpose. And as we move, we see the men, the disciples. Check out verse 19 with me. It says, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for, highlight this, fear. Fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they, key word, saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And as we look at the disciples' testimony, I want to remind you, Okay? The resurrection offers us life, peace, and purpose. So I want to remind you, these men had bailed on Jesus. Like, like they, they, when it got the toughest, they, they rolled out on him. In fact, we learned that when Jesus was beaten on the cross, he was so hurt, so beat down, that he could not, in his humanity, finish taking the cross up the hill. And they called on a Gentile. Not even one of his followers were close enough to be called in. They called on a Gentile to help Jesus carry the cross. They had bailed at his worst moment. So we see that fear had kept them away from following, from being where they should have been. Uh, we also see these cats are picking right up where they left off. They're all huddled up in an upper room with the door locked, trying to keep people out, right? Why? Because they were afraid of getting arrested. They were afraid of suffering for Jesus. And so think about that. Jesus, who had trained these men, who had taught them how to trust boldly in God, who had taught them how to, how to go in faith, and when it came crunch time, they bailed. I'm going to be honest with you, man. My, my folks bail on me. Has, has anyone ever felt betrayed before? Like somebody that was tight with you just rolled out on you when you needed them? That hurts. Jesus would have had every right to walk in that door and say, listen, I rebuke all you jokers. Listen what he did, though. When Jesus should have rebuked them, instead the first words he offered was peace. This is a beautiful picture of the gospel. If you've been with us from Genesis 3 on, uh, the, the, the work of the cross is one of peace. See, since Genesis 3, man has made war on God, but God came to make peace with man. That's it. It's a message of peace, of even in people that have rejected God, God still sent his son so that we could have peace with him. And man, this is so huge. If you don't have peace in your life, most likely it's because we're at war with God. This is what is happening here. So, so listen, how does this apply to us, men? What keeps us from life, peace, and purpose? Right, what, what is the thing that, that keeps us from experiencing true life? I believe it's this. It's fear. It's fear of us becoming the person God has called us to be. We tend to do the very same thing as these disciples, instead of embracing who God has called us to be, we run 
in fear. And many times, man, let's just be honest, up underneath the bravado of American manhood, right? Like, like you know what I mean? If, in some parts, if you don't have your sleeves cut off and you ain't in a truck this high, you're not a man around here, right? Nobody laughed. Okay, all right. A little conviction, maybe? Anyway, listen, uh, joking. But underneath the bravado of the world in our country is constantly redefining what makes a man. But I want to encourage you as we look to Jesus, Jesus is a perfect picture of manhood, right? And he would not have been a guy just in a robe who sat in a temple for forever. No, he was a carpenter who worked with his hands. He was a fierce protector of his people. Uh, He was a loving servant of he took care of people. And listen, he was as strong and as bold as a lion that after he was uh, the lamb that went to slaughter, it says he raised up as the lion of Judah, a bold protector of his people a servant to the brokenhearted, those that take care of people, those that add value to people, those that love, and they love deeply. Man, this is the picture of manhood. And so maybe for some, you you think how I think sometimes. I'm going to share a little bit of a personal story. But underneath all that of a man, what we ask ourselves is this. Am I enough in my work? Am I doing enough to take care of a family? You know, we think about it as husbands. Am I enough? Right? As I keep shutting people out, shutting my family out, up underneath all the stuff that we distract ourselves with, we think, am I enough? Am I being the man God's called me to be? If you have kids as a father, am I enough? Can I really lead in a way that honors God and loves people? And I want you to know something. I believe it's fear. It's fear of becoming who God has called us to be. It's fear of turning from the things that are robbing us of becoming who we're called to be. You know, God's moving in an incredible way in this city. Man, he's moving as a part of this movement. This last weekend was one of the best weekends in the history of our church. Man, I I should have been, and I was overjoyed. And This past week, I should have been riding the wave of God's momentum of God's spirit. I should have been the most confident, the most peaceful of like, God, what a privilege just to be a part of your work in Dublin. And man, I'm gonna tell you something. About three o'clock on a Tuesday, I was worn down, right? I was anxious. I was fearful and I was constantly asking questions. God, what if? What if this happens? What if that happens? Uh, Lord, am I gonna be able to lead this? What if these people feel this way? What if, what if this happens? God, what if I mess up? What if I disappoint you? What if I disappoint people? And at the bottom of all my fear, what if I'm not as, much, uh, uh, as good of a dad as I minister? What if I'm not as good of a husband? Underneath all my fear was the question, am I enough to do this? And God quickly brought the answer to mind. I am not enough, but Jesus in me is always enough. Man, I want you to know something, okay? If you, since that, coming to the the top here, listen, go ahead and answer the question, okay? You are not enough, but Jesus is always enough, right? You can trust him. Allow him in and allow him to lead, right? And just remember that, okay? That God can do it because here's the deal. A lot of times when I let fear lead me, when we let fear lead us, men, uh, we're, we're not at peace with God and we usually don't make peace with our family. We usually don't make peace with people and I had to repent. And man, on Tuesday, I was so worried and stressed out. I was just unkind to my wife. Man, just, just being kind of a jerk. Y'all never done that before, right? Any of y'all? Yeah. There you have it, right? Uh, 
But man, it was a sweet time. Wednesday morning, I got up and I said, baby, I'm, I was wrong. Thank you for putting up with me. This was fear. This is not who God's called me to be. And it was a sweet time of reconciliation. It's been a joyful week since. As God's reminded me, uh, men, we are not the point. He's the point. The point is that we could lean in and trust him. The point is that we could trust him in all the worries and fears of life. And I want to encourage you, when we step into our God-given role of who God's called us to be, God's going to get more glory, our family's going to get more love, and we're going to see a community transformed, turned upside down for the gospel as we step into the man God's called us to be. That's just true, man. Yeah, we can clap to that because that's what's needed. And what I want you to know one family at a time, one man, one household at a time. If Jesus is the real deal, maybe you're not a communicator and you just shut people out. You shut people out. I know because I've been there. These men had doors locked trying to keep everyone out. But do you notice that Jesus still found the way in? That's what he wants to do. He wants to come in and he wants to bring real life change. If he's the real deal, he's the one person we can't afford to shut out. And lastly, in 21, we see that the disciples who had rejected Jesus, they did not deserve to be the carriers of the good news. I mean, they did not. And what did Jesus say? He said, peace be with you. And he said, as the Father has sent me, we have a missionary God. He said, God sent me out of heaven to earth to come and die on the cross for sin so that others may feel the love and the power of God. I love you that much. And just like he sent me, I'm sending you to tell others. I'm sending you to change the world. This is what I want you to know. That peace, that life, that purpose is not so that we could come to the church so that we could sit, soak, and sour. That peace, purpose, and life come so that we may get up, we may go, we may tell others. That is the purpose, that we would bring God much glory through our lives and we would advance his glory to the ends of the earth. Man, that, that's a church I want to be a part of. That church we see in Acts, it ain't dead, it's alive for all that will allow him to lead the church. To just keep it about Jesus, amen? Amen. And they were joyfully commissioned in spite of their failure. Now I want you to go down with me in verse number 30 and 31 of John's gospel. So we see that the resurrection offers us peace. Remember, the world does not offer it. Jesus said, I give to you. Not as the world gives, I come to give you peace. He offers us purpose. We're, now we're going to see life. Verse 30. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written. John's gospel, why he wrote it. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The resurrection gives life to those who believe. So John is the gospel writer. He, he wrote this gospel some years after Jesus. And what it is, is a collection of testimonies. And his heart was burdened uh, that those that would read this gospel would see Jesus, just like he saw the resurrected Jesus, that they may would have life. Right? He says it all over in all three of the stories we read okay, or, uh, of Mary and the disciples. It says both they saw Jesus and they went with joy. But we have to see Jesus to receive that life, peace, and purpose. See, because Jesus came out of the grave, because Jesus came out, 
And he is now the resurrected. He is the eternal God. In him is eternal life. In him, when we trust him, we receive his presence. That's what you feel right now. It's because this is not some old relic I'm talking about. It's the living God. His word is alive. Because Jesus came out of the tomb, we can experience his presence. We can experience his power. And we can embrace his purposes for our life. But what I believe in our part of the world is that we think some good old days in the past was when we found life. Man, I can remember that church camp. Y'all ever been there? Well, I remember that VBS. I remember when I signed the car. You know, whatever that may be. And what we're thinking is that a moment brought us life in the past. Well, let me just ask you something. Are you experiencing spiritual life today? And then here's the deal. When we really believe that resurrection life was just a moment, right? Man, we are dreary as we can be just like hoping to get to heaven. Let me twiddle here in this terrible world and just, man, I'm, I'm ready for heaven. Man, I can't wait to get a new house and a new boat in heaven, right? And we totally miss Jesus and that the goodness of the gospel really becomes uh, physically, I, I want to avoid surf, suffering and, and physically I just want something better than this life. This is what I want you to know about our Jesus Jesus didn't just come to give us spiritual life in the past. He didn't come to give us spiritual life in heaven. He came just to, he came to give us spiritual life in the present. That means spiritual life from now until heaven. Eternal life is not something we have to wait on. The power of eternal life is what we can have today. Right now, here's the good news. Listen to me. Jesus is not waiting on you to get to heaven. Jesus has come to be with you today. Jesus is going to be waiting on you in the morning. Jesus is going to be waiting on you on Monday. Jesus is going to be waiting on you on Tuesday. He is available because he came out of the tomb, because the veil was torn. Jesus in life is available today. He's alive. And I know I get a little bit excited, but listen, this is just what I believe about the church, okay? The church should not live like Jesus is still in the tomb. <laughs> the church should not live like Jesus is in the tomb. He's come out and he offered life. This is spiritual life. And you say, well, what does this look like? You keep saying, Buck, they saw Jesus. They saw Jesus. Listen, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, 15 through 18. How do I see this Jesus that you obviously believe? How do I see him? Do I physically see him? This is what God's word talks about, seeing Jesus spiritually. It says, even to this day, this is when Corinthians was written. When Moses is read, this would have been the Torah. This was the, the, the word before the rest of the Bible was canonized. It says, when, the, when the Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. That's like a curtain. That's like, if you ever have had a black veil, you can't see through it. You ever sang that song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord? I can't sing, but yeah, open the eyes of my heart. That's what it's talking about. It, that we see with spiritual eyes. It's a heart matter. It's not a head matter. Verse 16 it says this, uh, it, it says, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, this is this idea of repentance. When we hear the gospel, we realize like, man, this is true. I'm beginning to see. And what God calls us to do is simply admit that I have not seen it. Admit that I have lived in sin. Admit that I have hurt the heart of God, right? And here's the deal of maybe you're feeling some conviction of sin. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? Life comes when we admit it and we bring it and say, God, no more, I'm turning. 
It won't be perfect, but I'm turning. It says when anyone turns to the Lord, it says the veil is lifted away. Listen how he talks about it now. This is spiritual sight. Verse 17. It says now the Lord is the Spirit. This is what brings life. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It's sin that captivates. It's Satan that wants to deceive. Uh, what, what, what keeps us anxious and depressed, what keeps us down, what keeps us suffering, is that um, we, we, we are caught in sin, right? It's sin. It says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when we're living in sin, that's how we feel bondage. That's why you don't feel life. That's why you are anxious. That's why we do get in that place because it's sin. But listen, when we turn to the Lord and we receive his life, whether for the first time or coming back to the Lord, it says that we get freedom. And anytime I've seen someone truly get set free, man, there's smiles and rejoicing. Amen? Anytime I've ever seen it. And so as we think about this and meditate on it, Maybe for some, your, your faith or belief has been on evidence. Well, yeah, someone told me way back when, or man, there's all these churches, there's got to be something to Jesus, right? Or m- maybe it's like, man, I, I've, just, I've just come because I'm supposed to, and there's evidential belief, right? Evidence may change the mind, but it'll never change the heart. Faith isn't a head matter, it's a heart matter. And listen, this is the biggest difference. I want everyone to lean in with me, Okay. Evidential belief says Christ lives, all right? That, that's, everyone can say Christ lives. Saving faith says Christ lives in me. And that's the moment of freedom. And that's the moment that the reason I stand here and I proclaim is because I love you. And, and it's a fraction of how much Jesus loves you. I stand here and proclaim because Jesus Christ loves you and he wants to set you free. If you don't know him today, listen Today, you can leave with resurrected life. Not a better version of yourself. Not looking back at the good old days in the past. But today, you can have life. You can have his peace. and You can embrace his purposes. Church, let's pray together. Lord, we love you. And thank you for what you did for us on the cross. Thank you for the love you display, God. Lord, I just pray right now all over the room. God, I just know and believe there's someone here that you're like, but that's exactly right. I, I've not experienced resurrection life, true life, eternal life. And man, I did not know that I didn't have to wait till heaven to get it, but I could have it today. And if that's you, I, I just want to encourage you. The Bible says that if you believe with your heart, And confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It says you will be saved. Not might be, not maybe. But you will be. And so if that's you today, I'm just going to lead you in a simple prayer. You can pray it right there at your seats. This is, what it, this is what I want you to pray. Father, I admit I'm a sinner. Lord, today, I want to repent of my sin. And I want to receive new life. I believe that you are the son of God. Died and rose again on the third day. Lord, I ask for life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, 
The Bible says, don't deny me before men. I won't deny you. In other words, that faith is an extension. It comes with a response. And so if you made that decision today, I'm just going to ask you to lift your hand. If you prayed that prayer, would you just lift your hand? And all we're going to do, we just want to celebrate your decision. Praise God for that. Amen. Praise God for that. Anyone else? Amen. Praise God for that. You won't be the only one. Is there anyone else in the house today? All heads bowed as we continue to let the Lord work in this place. Is there anyone else that would say yes to Jesus? Don't wait. That would say yes to him. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for new life in this place. Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.